1: Hello, good afternoon, welcome to join us today. We're coming to you live from our studios in Kukum, we are on DTT because we're free to so own DSTV channel 421 and GoTV channel 125. We are home of independent, fearless and credible journalism. Coming up this afternoon, renal dialysis unit at the Kolebutichin hospital, back to crisis as it accumulates. Two million cities debt just three months after government settled a debt of four million cities. We have details coming up shortly. Also, this absolute minority in parliament warns foreign investors to back off from any purchasing of Airtel Tigo without the appropriate parliamentary ratification.
2: We want to use this opportunity to serve notice to any foreign investor that they must be very careful of signing any deals. Because if they think that they are buying any asset that belongs to the Ghanaian people without the proper parliamentary approval, we can assure them that that agreement is going to be null and void
1: we're live in Parliament with more coming up. NDC flag John Mahama proposes new legislation to halt activities of illegal mining on cocoa farms, promising involvement of traditional authorities in granting permits to miners. And organized labor to decide later today whether to proceed with this February 13 demonstration following government suspension of the VAT on electricity consumption. We are monitoring that meeting, which is currently underway at the TUC premises in Accra. We are also live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and X Spaces for our Join News on TV. My personal handle is Denana Aisha. Please stay for details. <laughs> Minority in Parliament say foreign investors should back off any potential takeover of Airtel Tigo without the requisite parliamentary approval. The minority contends that any takeover of Airtel Tigo with foreign investors will be an international agreement which must be subject to Parliament's oversight. Deputy Ranking Member on the Communications Committee, Samuel Nate George, says Communications Minister Eslo Uso must bring any such deal to sell Eltel Tigo to Parliament immediately.
2: Well, we want to use this opportunity to serve notice to any foreign investor that they must be very careful of signing any deals, because if they think that they are buying any asset that belongs to the Ghanaian people without the proper parliamentary approval, we can assure them that that agreement is going to be null and void in any court of law in any jurisdiction of this country, because the constitution of Ghana is clear. If you go and buy stolen goods, you can't say that because you bought stolen goods from the brother of the owner of the goods, it validates it. If the laws of Ghana say that when you are buying a state asset and you are an international company, it must come to Parliament and you decide to go and buy from a minister without coming to Parliament, well, buyer beware because Parliament would hold the minister responsible and I'm confident that The next John Mahama government in 2025 will not respect any such agreements, and so people must be very careful. But as a committee and as the minority on the communication side, we'll properly brief the media next week on this matter. But we want to state for the record that as far as we are concerned, you cannot sell Etel Tigo, one, because you've not officially informed Parliament that you have bought Etel Tigo. Two... If you are selling Airtel to go to an international company, it must come to this house. We saw President Kufo sell Vodafone. He came to this house. Esla also cannot become law unto herself. And so we would expect, and as a committee, we would demand saying that she must respect the directive of Mr. Speaker and come and brief the committee on issues involving the status. Of Etel Tigo and any potential deal. Because we need to be very careful. As a committee, we are worried. The minority side on the committee, we are worried especially about what happens to the debt. Because Etel Tigo owes a tower company in Ghana almost to the tune of 200 million Ghana cities. If you say you are not going to pay, what happens to that tower company? And if you bring in this new investor, is the tower company supposed to continue offering services to the new investor? What happens? Who pays it? Are they going to move that debt to the taxpayer, you and I, because somebody has mismanaged a private entity and government has gone to take on that? There are questions that have to be answered. And so, rest assured, there are all kinds of things we are hearing relative to that deal. It won't happen.
1: Some judge says ETL Tigo has some financial issues, including substantial debt, which makes it even imperative for Parliament to scrutinize any deal to sell it off.
2: Well, we all know that when it comes to international agreements, they must come before Parliament. Don't forget that we have raised issues on the floor of this House with the Minister for Communications and Digitalization, Esla Owusu Ekufo. First and foremost, if you remember my running battle with her on whether the Government of Ghana had bought Etel Tigo, how much they had bought Etel Tigo for and what all of that, when she came and said the Government had not bought it, Even at the time, Airtel had told its shareholders in India that they had sold Airtel Tigo. Subsequently, she came out and said she bought it for $1. Later, we are hearing $25 million. Now, the question is, all of these have considerations for the debt of Airtel Tigo. I know that Airtel Tigo has debts on his books in excess of $100 million. So, if you are selling Airtel Tigo to somebody and the debt is in excess of $100 million, uh, what is the value of the assets? And then what is the value of the debt? Are you selling the company with the assets and the liabilities, or are you just selling the liabilities, the assets alone without the liabilities? Then who takes over the liabilities? Because those liabilities have to be settled. Etel owes banks. They owe service providers like the tower companies. We have seen the announcement that says that some JV has been entered into. Don't forget that sometime in November last year, a member of the committee, I think the Honorable Lydia Lamisi, if I'm not mistaken, asked the question that brought Eslausu to the floor of the House to give answers on the issue of the transaction. And in contributing to that question, when I rose, I requested of the Speaker that the Minister ought to brief Parliament on what the matter was. The The Speaker directed the Minister to brief the Committee of Parliament on communications on the status of the deal. The Minister promised and pledged to do so. She has not done so yet. We have heard that there's this JV with Hanam or Hamam investments and all of that.
1: Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Santi joins us with more from Parliament. Santi, what else is happening in Parliament today? Well I'm sure the house has not sat for a long time today, the house has adjourned because NDC MPs would have to
3: go and have their caucus workshop over this over this weekend and they have to travel out of a today. And so and so and because of that parliament adjourned part But before that, I you the former minority leader, have raised some concerns about attendance in the house. In fact, at the time the house started, there were just a little about fifteen MPs on both sides of the house and Eric was not introduced by that. He raised the issue that the, the speakers of parliament would have to take some keen interest in that. Mind you, the house has been undertaking roll calls mm-hmm. since the start of the meeting. So whenever the house begins, it you will know, be a roll call today. There wasn't any because of the very low attendance in the house. So Aisha, the, the, the sitting has been on the agenda, today and we are looking forward to. For instance, very soon we we'll be, will be interviewing the, the member of parliament for uh, the the Party, also in CKT among also. Um, Patricia PJ and all the PM, uh, PM, uh, PM Express have been speaking with them after the you know, to get some understanding of how we can arrange that. But generally, the House has not been doing anything be They just had to take an agenda for the NDCMPs
1: to have their workshop this weekend. With that from Parliament, definitely uh, when we get more from Parliament, trust We'll bring it to you in our subsequent bulletins. Meanwhile, the controversial anti-LGBTQ bill is only one step away from passage after Parliament concluded the consideration stage. This stage entails the clause-by-clause consideration of the bill and MPs are allowed to propose amendments. Thursday, the second stage was done with only the third reading left for the bill to be passed into law. There's more in this report.
3: What is left now is the third reading. And the third reading does not entail anything. There just has to be a vote in the House for the third reading to happen. And once that happens, this bill would have been passed. Of course, early on in the morning, some concerns were raised by Alexander Fennel-Markin, who is railing against the custodial sentence imposed in the bill.
4: What do we want to do? To reform or to destroy? To give an opportunity for such a person to come back with a new character. Mr. Speaker, if that is so, then we should look at the conditions of our prisons. I dare say that should a person go to the prison, he would come back wet off. Mr. Speaker, in active practice some 10 years back, a client was supposed to be in lawful in the evening, the police officer told me that, Council, if we send your client to a car, uh, the central police station, for want of a better word, let me say
3: it in key. In the minority will not have anything of that sort. They will not accept that. Montek, Mohammed Mubarak, and Sam George, who are minority MPs, raise their opposition to that.
5: But to say that we
4: a completely Speaker, we'll be making mockery of ourselves. So I don't want to plead that if our colleagues, as well as the majority, there has worried with a number of years, you can suggest something lower. The agenda. The
2: punitive measure for that is minimum three years. Maximum five years. That is targeting our children in secondary schools. The setting up of clubs in secondary schools, yeah. in neighbourhoods. That is the real danger to our society, and that's why that punishment is even higher. So, Mr. Speaker, we stand by the minimum three years, maximum five years. Thank you.
3: Chairman of the Constitutional Parliamentary Legal Affairs Committee Kwame Nii backed the position of Alexander Fenyo Markin. Well despite all these concerns the various amendments tabled have all now been voted on and parliament has moved on from the consideration stage so all the amendments
4: that has been carried will be incorporated into the bill uh, to be brought to the house for all of us to see before we consider the third reading on that note we we'll bring
3: consideration to a cruise there is a likelihood of what is called in parliament a second consideration where a few issues will be ironed out but largely the consideration stage of the House is now complete and a vote is set to happen within this week or next week and then this bill will finally be passed. Some judge and sponsors of the bill are excited about this progress but do not want to go ahead of themselves.
2: It's not work done yet. We still have a long way to go. Um, we have made some strides, but we are no way done. Like you heard in the House, we are supposed to do winnowing. So we are going to wait for the drafters to finish the winnowing. It will come to the committee chair, and then the committee will discuss it, and then the sponsors would also engage with them. But at least we've made some step and some progress, and we're excited about it. As and when we are done with the processes, we will continue uh, with the processes on the floor of the House. We'll let you know. But we just want to say thank you for the publicity and support and mileage you've given to us all through this matter. We are very grateful, and we, we hope that we can count on you till we complete the process as our partners in ensuring the protection of Ghanaian family values and proper human sexual rights.
3: There is also the constitutional issue as to whether or not this being a private member's bill and imposing a charge on the Consolidated Fund, President Nekufara will sign it into law when it is passed. But the minority and some MPs already say that if the President refuses to sign this bill, they will not allow that, they will veto the President. Reporting for joining us, Kweku Asante, Parliament House, Accra.
1: flag bearer of the opposition national democratic congress john mahama has proposed the use of legislation to protect economic trees from illegal mining which continues to threaten cocoa farming in the country the former president at a meeting with cocoa farmers in Kumasi, proposed a new law that will ensure due processes are observed if there is a need to mine a cocoa farm Nana now jima has more
6: according to cocoa board Cocoa cultivation fell to 750,000 tons for the 2022-2023 harvest. It is forecast to further reduce between 650,000 and 700,000 tons in the upcoming season. Though there are efforts to increase cocoa production in the coming years, illegal mining continues to pose a threat. Research by Ghana Cocoa Board has shown that several cocoa farms in the western, Ashanti and eastern regions have been lost to illegal mining activities. Water bodies used for cocoa farming in some areas are destroyed. A farmer spoke at a meeting with the NDC flag bearer. We used to drink from the Tano River, but we can't do so anymore. The river is destroyed.
4: Your question is, Enano. Eneta no chentwoma ya
6: de ekwa buchia. Currently, the country has a deforestation rate of about 2.5%. Los mejores
0: viajes nacen en la
6: carretera. Pero este
0: comenzará en el leño. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC.
6: ...of the total land area leading to an annual loss of 135,000 hectares.
7: We will check the menace of Galamsey on cocoa trees. And one of the suggestions that has come is to pass a law on the destruction of economic trees, which would include cocoa. And so if somebody willfully enters a cocoa farm and destroys it because he's mining gold or mining whatever he's, he's mining, he commits an offense. Unless he has properly got the permits and compensation has been calculated properly before anything like that can happen. And so use legislation to stop the destruction of cocoa and other economic trees, not only cocoa.
6: Mr Mahama proposes the empowerment of traditional authority to have a role in granting of mining license to ensure protection of the forest.
7: And apart from that, I was here for no bakayong to protect the forest. natural resources in our bind there. But won't abide Ma
6: We have to involve the traditional authority to help protect the forests. All natural resources are for government, but there is a need for new laws that would ensure the traditional authority have a say in granting of entry permit into forests.
7: Forest conservation and sanitation without permission of forestry, without permission of, of already
6: measures have been proposed to regulate mining in the country for joining us, Nanaio Chima reporting
1: More than 30 labor groups from across the country have converged in Accra this afternoon to decide the course of action regarding a massive demonstration against government. The union is threatening to take to the streets if the government did not scrap a 15% VAT on non-lifeline electricity consumers. An announcement from the Finance Ministry yesterday suspending the tax for wider consultations did not convince them. The unions remain skeptical about government's commitment to cancel the tax outright. That meeting is happening as we speak. We will be taking you live to get a sense of uh, the meeting. But before that, listen to Vice Chairman of TUC, Ken Kudya.
7: President is likely to meet if we receive a letter from the Ministry of Finance withdrawing the the 15%. And until we receive that, that letter, we are resolved on the path we want to take in the demonstration. Uh, like I said, I'm hoping that that letter will come today. But we are resolved. The, the appetite for, for strike is very right. And we don't want to go that path. We want to engage and resolve all the issues pending. But... The way we we, we 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 all cited this press release um, on social media for us is also not healthy. We have written that we want the the, the rich to be to be withdrawn. And it, it was just appropriate that the minister would have written to us to say that uh, based on this we want to now withdraw and engage. But like I said, I'm I'm hoping that the focus of we'll get that letter from the ministry and then we'll look at the way forward.
1: Meanwhile, some of the unions are proceeding with plans to hold massive demonstrations across all system regions with discussions ongoing with the police for protection. The Greater Accra Chapter of Organized Labor says they are ready to hit the streets on Tuesday. Patrick bernier speaks for the unions in Accra. <laughs>
4: Not only about workers, it's even about we and our families at home. Whatever you buy as electricity, you pay a 15% VAT on it. And this has repercussions on our artisans, our tradesmen, and it's going to affect all of Our affiliates from the GPRTU across Greater Accra are not going to work. Hey! They are all going to join. Choboy! 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 So let us make note that on 13th, within the greater, no commercial vehicle within Accra will work. The drivers, all of them are going to join the demonstration. And we are going to register our uh, discretion that it is not about suspension, but it is about total withdrawal.
1: In a related development, members of the Ghana Private Road Transport Union have directed their members not to work next week Tuesday in solidarity with organized labor to mount pressure on government to withdraw the VAT. Abbas Muru is P.R.O. of the union.
4: We are part of them till the government and tree and sign up to the end of on the 12th. On the, on the 13th, no, we are all joining. And the, this is the first step. Yeah, far so can on the 13th. because you can organize labor. No,
3: because are fighting for. The eco tax, no, until we buy a cutting razor. Now,
4: a new the rare demonstration for your eco tax, no, emission tax, no, until way buy a tariff, no, buy a cutting razor.
1: We're taking you live to the TUC office for uh, a feel of that meeting by labour unions, as and when we get the feed. Right now, let's take a break on Join Us Today. We'll be back with more. Welcome back to join us today, and uh, to the rest of our stories. The renal dialysis unit at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital is once again facing. Crisis as it accumulates 2 million cities dead just three months after government settled the debt of 4 million cities. The unit was forced to shut down last year, sparking public outcry as dialysis patients faced an uncertain end to their lives. But Chief Executive of the hospital, Dr. Poku Ampoma, says Parliament's delay in approving new fees and charges is putting the renal unit in a very precarious situation. There's more in the following report by Prince
6: Kodoga. Very common emotions last year as a renal unit of the Kolegu Teaching Hospital was shut down due to an accumulation of debt in excess of 4 million Ghana cities. We are now
4: engaged with government, with the ministry, with other stakeholders to see how quickly we can you know, find the resources to advance, because at the moment we are sitting in a 4 million uh, city hole. If we are to operate at uh, our uh, current capacity, which is about 2,000 uh, dialysis sessions every month, then it means that we are going to accumulate about 961,000 cities of debt every month, uh, you know, in addition to the 4 million cities that we have already. So this is financially unsustainable.
6: The hospital was forced to reverse an increment in its dialysis charges imposed last year without recourse to parliament. The patients said the high cost of treatment makes it difficult for them to follow
4: the prescribed sessions. You are becoming a burden to the society. You pick a phone, you pick a phone, you want to call your friend. He knows you are coming to ask for money, so you will not even pick. Wow. You pick a phone, maybe you want even to say hello Maybe there's an information you are trying to ask him. He will not even answer it. Later on, he will come back and say, Oh, child, I saw your call. Now nah, this I'm It's not true. Because he knew you are coming to ask my and it's true. When you call the person, it's money.
6: This prompted series of conversations, including joining his thought leadership event on the matter where the presidential advisor on health promised the debts will be cleared. We are waiting for what they are supposed to bring and then to be worked on. As quickly as possible. Yes. The money is provided it supposed to be provided by our Minister of Finance, isn't it? Yes. 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 Okay. So the Tampuma has to put everything that he is doing that he been asked to do as quickly as possible in place. If I were him, I would use twenty four hours to put everything in place. You've and present it. it yeah. So they'll present it. You've already presented it. And uh, no, you free 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 to talk because yes, this is, I've, this told, is direct. I've it, told him what to do. Yeah. And then quickly I'm sure I know what normally such things are very
1: Joining us now for more on this is Director of Medical Affairs at the Kolobu Teaching Hospital, Dr. Wusu Seture. Also uh, joining me is Bafo Kujahin Krapu, who is President of the Renal Patients Association of Ghana. Let me start with you, Bafo. What's the state of affairs at the Renal Unit right now? Thank you very much.
5: Currently, the unit is
8: open to the OPD. We are having our and then the the price they asked us to pay, the 380, that is what we are paying. So,
7: so far, so good.
1: Let me ask you, Mr. Uso, Dr. Usu Setchere, why has there been a delay in approving the fees? Do you know?
8: Um, I was telling you. Um, I think um, we have done what we need to do. We send it to Parliament, and it is uh, Parliament that will have to look at. Uh, The pros and cons, and come out with uh, approval, or otherwise uh, it will be very difficult. Maybe presumptuous, even for me to try to hazard a guess as to why it hasn't gone through.
1: So, how did you accumulate this two million uh, city debt?
8: Well, I think um, uh, the issue of validity, funding, has been discussed. Um, I think I have snippets of the um, uh, data you need. Basically there is another recovery. Uh, after the time we started a discussion and then leaving closer closed down on the three of it. Uh the death of four million with uh some men have cleared. But every additional charity system that we have we make now, we accumulate another debt because the cost of providing that service is over seven hundred and fifty. And the charge is three hundred and eighty. So there is uh, a fifty percent or even more cost that is accumulated. So you only need to multiply the number of dialysis sessions happens to your thing. And even when we were doing the uh, emergency ones, to now and then it won't be too difficult to understand why we have two million deaths accumulated. And so because on a daily basis, uh, we are accumulating. We are still doing that. Do
1: do we risk another shutdown if the approval doesn't come in early as this uh, uh, debt also starts accumulating?
8: Yeah, I think the shutdown was occasioned by our debtors uh, refusing to supply as consumables. At the moment, we have a bit of it uh, running. with the death accumulation, if we don't get that one resolved, uh, it's only a matter of time and uh, we probably will run into another crisis.
1: Dr. Uzusecha, I'm grateful for your time. He's Director for Medical Affairs at the Kolibu Teaching Hospital. We're also joined by uh, Bafok Kwa, who is President of the Renal Patients Association. We'll be monitoring how this unfolds because we do not want the dialysis center to be shut down again. Let's take a break on Joy News today. When we return, we'll be bringing you the very latest coming from the world of business.
9: Welcome, let's do some business stories with me, Emma Davis. The President of the Center for Global Development, Masoud Ahmed, has expressed concerns about the impact of high interest rates on loans on developing economies in Africa. According to him, the interest rates on most loans advanced to African countries by the Bretton Woods institutions and investors uh, in developed countries make it difficult for low-income countries on the continent to repay. Here's more.
10: At the beginning of 2024, nine African states are in debt distress. A further 15 are at high rates and 14 are at moderate rates. Zambia and Ghana defaulted on their debt, joined recently by Ethiopia. Meanwhile, the president of the Los mejores viajes
0: nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500 hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de
10: FCA US LLC. In for global development, Masood Ahmed blames the Western financial institutions for their failures to caution African countries against the risks of taking up high-interest loans. It's always difficult to deal with excessive
11: debt because when you restructure or write down debt, it's politically hard to do, technically complicated, and people take a long time getting there. So I don't personally think that there's going to be some grand vision of writing down... You do or you don't? I don't. don't. The build-up of debt as a share of GDP is doubled, I think. And the terms on which that debt was taken on... There are countries that were borrowing before COVID at eight, nine you know, percent. If you're borrowing at eight or nine percent commercial markets, it's going to be hard to be able to generate projects that are going to pay that off. So frankly, we need to take a little bit of the uh, responsibility on the international community side as well, because we were not raising the alarm on those things quite as much at the time as as we do
10: now. Masud expressed concerns about the increasing rates of debt default by some African countries.
11: No, I don't think there's going to be some grand vision of writing down the debt levels mm-hmm. in the next year or two or three and so and yet the numbers that actually default quite small. Right? Hand single digit, you just name them. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ethiopia missed a payment or yeah. something a bit but that's still quite small numbers. And the question that I've been struggling with why is that? And what you
10: see is that interest payments have been rising and Ghana's financial help is under scrutiny with a staggering fifth of its tax revenue devoted to servicing debt. These instances are not anomalies but rather stark representations of the debt dilemma many African nations confront.
9: government as part of the ghana cares program has kick-started the 2024 DIGISMART smart scale-up initiative for public sector workers under the theme fast track digitalization for service delivery the move is to build the digital capacity of the country's workforce Speaking to journalists after the launch of the event, head of the civil service, Dr. Evans Agri-Dakon, indicated that more than 800 civil servants have already benefited from the program. Here's more.
5: The initiative... Which is in its second year forms part of a move by the Tony Blair Institute to support digital skills training for public sector workers in some African countries, according to the head of civil service dr. Darko, this will improve efficiency as more people will be enrolled onto the program by close of the year uh,
4: to and if you if you if you listen clearly to the discussions and, and the speeches uh, what became very critical and very, very important for us to take, one of the major take-homes, is the fact that this is not just, you know, this is not the first time. We started with 170 or so last year, and this is a, a scale-up, and that is about more than 800 of our people who are going to be trained. The idea is that, the idea and my own, what I have, and because I'm being futuristic, will be that a critical mass of our workforce will be dict- dictally sound. And so that they, they can you know change the course of service delivery in this country.
5: Speaking on behalf of the Minister for Communications and Digitalization, Chief Executive of the National Information Technology Agency, Richard Ofosu, also believes that this will support government's digital economy policy.
4: You know, digital skilling to train our people so that they become digitally savvy. Uh, you know, so that when government puts out service, they'll be able to consume the service because they understand what it takes to be able to consume that service. So that this training is so important. Uh, it's from both ends. You know, public servants, civil servants are learning how to use digital skills, and therefore, once, once they go to their respective offices, they propagate uh, what they've learned, and, and therefore contributing to uh, service delivery.
5: The training is expected to capture all institutions in the public sector.
9: I'll be all for business. For more business news, log on to myjoyonline.com. Up next is Welsh News. Tuesday. stay. Take-
0: ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad?